0: in Sudan, where at least one American is among the more than 600 who are confirmed dead. The U.S. military is now preparing for the possible evacuation of American citizens. in Sudan.
1: Here is why you should care about the fighting that is going on in Sudan. What's happening there is more than meets the eye. And it's time for the world to discuss the actual truth of what is going on there. America and Russia are at it again.
2: Welcome back to GMA and the massive gold heist at Canada's biggest airport. Authorities releasing new details as they try to track down leads after the precious cargo worth millions simply vanished. A brazen gold heist at this Toronto airport. Nearly 20 million in gold and other high-value goods disappearing, like a scene out of the Hollywood blockbuster The Italian Job.
3: Resistance chicks, we're your hosts, Leah and Michelle. It's Sunday, which means we're gonna go all around the world in the top news. I have to tell you this gold heist in Canada. It's got it's like got me like a gold fever. I've got, I'm feeling gold fever. Like I'm not envious of the people that have stolen the gold. I'm not. That's
4: good. Thank you. I'm for, not. Thank you for pointing that one out. Envious
3: that. of that, but. But I can't wait to hear more about it.
4: Uh, well, you know, <laughs> we we could definitely start there. We've got a lot going on this week. There is a, a war happening in Sudan. And quite frankly, I kept hearing rumors about it. And, you know, this was a story that I thought about covering last week. But I didn't have an angle on it. I, I was like, well, you know, it's Africa. Things happen. Um so it's um, it's the Middle East it's Africa, Middle East okay so here's the thing I have discovered that there is more to meets the eye more than meets the eye more to meets the eye more than meets the eye with uh, what's going on in the Sudan and so I'm happy to bring that to you because sometimes these <clears> things <throat> just don't make sense And I will tell you what does make sense right now, that Sudan made a deal with Russia so that they could have a port on the Red Sea. And the United States doesn't want that to happen. So Russia and the United States are funding paramilitary groups to create unrest in a nation that, as I discovered, is very tenuously held together it was run by military rule for most of the last century and it's only been in the past four years that they had some we're gonna we're gonna play some clips on this a um uprising of the people uh, as you were and so they're they they do not really have a government to per se that is of the people by the people for the people so right now you know you've got these mercenaries creating havoc and and we'll discuss that from people who know way more than we do about these things <laughs> um and victor Orbán has decided that <clears throat> he is not going to take hungary into a war with ukraine and russia smart but there's a lot of pushback with that pushback with that so he's he's um standing up for himself. Macron is still underwater in France. There's <laughs> there's some uh, rioters who have actually concreted with block a section of highway. <laughs> and, like, they blocked it off. Yeah, and Elon Musk said, is it just about the pension? And somebody tweeted out, no, it's way more than about the pension. But did you know that... Those in Parliament still keep the retirement age at 62. No. But raising it for everybody else. (laughs) Those little sneaky (laughs) government people. I know, right? Okay, so speaking of sneaky.
3: (laughs) We shouldn't laugh so much about this that's not funny who's who i want to. <laughs> it is funny to me it is funny if you could bring up the um
4: the a the abc uh window here you're gonna see it's abc news okay on the heist we're gonna talk about this the gold heist in canada There is also more than meets the eye with the. Welcome
2: back to GMA and the massive gold heist at Canada's biggest
3: airport. Authorities releasing
2: new details as they try to track down leads after the precious cargo worth millions simply vanished. A brazen gold heist at this Toronto airport: nearly 20 million in gold and other high-value goods disappearing, like a scene out of the Hollywood blockbuster The Italian Job. Do you
5: want to see what's inside?
3: Absolutely.
2: But far from fiction for Canadian officials searching for the stolen treasure and the culprits. The container contained
6: a high-value shipment.
2: Police say it happened earlier this week. The cargo unloaded from an Air Canada plane. Per procedure, the goods then transported to a nearby cargo holding facility. A short time later, police say it was gone, removed by illegal means.
7: (laughs) It's very possible it could be an inside job uh because based on public information that's been released there had to be planning and knowledge as to where this gold and precious valuables were were stored and how you could get to them while crimes like
2: these are considered very rare another major heist happened at a toronto airport back in 1952 215,000 in gold bullion stolen and unlike this thief in the movie oceans 12 how did you get by the laser field in the Great Hall? Who breakdances his way through museum security lasers? The mystery remains about who's behind this real life caper in Toronto. So police have no suspects right now. And airport <laughs> officials say the warehouse where that container was filled with gold and other valuables was taken is leased to a third party outside the security line. Authorities believe this is an isolated incident and that there is no risk. To is the that, public what do
3: you mean isolated? Like, there's that a string of
4: gold things? Yeah, so uh, <laughs> the Royal Canadian Mounted Police confirmed they are looking into a gold robbery at Pearson International Airport just outside Toronto. Now, Initial report said it could be upwards of 100 million. They're lowering that from 15 to 20 million. I don't know if that is which one is accurate. Um, At this point, it appears investigators have no idea who stole the gold. And I don't know if you want to bring up this article and play the clip from Italian Job. I don't know if um, if Facebook will flag us for that. Probably. My favorite movie. One of my favorite movies. Um, we're still, it, and if you, if you've ever watched The Italian Job, they, they drop it down. You could just, like, mute it or something. Is this is Yeah, this it? that's it, that's it, that's, that's okay. it. I...
3: So, in this particular caper. That's not The Italian Job. This is the old Italian Job. Oh, the job. old one. This is the original one. Okay, yeah. from 1969. Yeah, so this is the, this is the old Italian Job.
4: Okay, that, but my favorite movie is the new one. All right, we're still trying to get accurate information on the heist," said the uh, Royal Canadian Mounted Police. The Toronto Sun reported earlier on Thursday that it was about thirty-six hundred pounds of gold were being moved through the airport. Had been stolen, <clears and> had to be <been throat> worth about one hundred five million. Thirty-six hundred pounds of gold. <laughs> Just think about it.
3: <laughs> I'm trying not to. Thirty-six
4: hundred pounds of gold. <laughs> Just one ounce is worth two thousand dollars right now. Sixteen ounces in pound, and there's thirty-six thousand pounds. Okay. Oh, William right. says
3: pretty soon. Guy has an egg, and a guy has a shiny piece of gold. Be lucky if you have the egg. period Yeah, that's right. Pearson <sighs> is rated as the top.
4: 30 cargo airports in the world and gold-minded Canada can travel through Pearson on its way to customers around the world. Uh, The newspaper said the theft was likely linked to organized crime, citing an unnamed police source. The heist reminded The Sun reporters of Nick Afflecki's iconic book, *Wise Guy*, that The Goodfellas is based on, in which his boss, Paul Viaro, and underling James Jimmy the Gent Burke owned JFK Airport because several organized crime groups are known to have either people or allies placed at Pearson International Airport it's well known in Canada there's organized crime they're very polite about it don't you know yes don't you know we're going to take this gold right now thank you Uh, monitoring their activities and controlling them is reportedly
3: a a close to full-time job I love this quote from Ray Liotta from Goodfellas see you gotta understand we grew up near the airport it belonged to Pauly right
4: Burke and his hand picked hit team, uh, JFK, uh, hit team, hit his hand picked team, hit JFK again on December 11th, 17, or uh,
3: 1987.
4: 78. You are getting your numbers all 1978. I do a little <laughs> dyslexia right now today. Slow it down. And a uh, 5.8 million robbery of cash and jails from Jules. I
3: think, that, I think they mean jewels. I think they mean jewels. That's, That's not my fault. fault. That's not your fault. From
4: Lithuania, the caper was worth twenty four point four million into twenty twenty one. But back to Pearson. Right now, the son's Brad Hunter uh reports that cops are being quiet. One thing appears clear. Investigators don't believe the gold was stolen in an attempt to fund terrorism. <laughs> No, more like the next yacht. Uh, if that was the case, protocols would have uh, bit, would have seen at least a partial shutdown of parts of the airport as soon as police or security officials became aware of the robbery, and that didn't happen. Finally, The Sun notes that this isn't the first major gold heist to happen out of Pearson. In, as we just heard, in 1952, 10 boxes of gold were bound for Montreal, but only 4 boxes showed up. That heist was valued uh, about...
3: Hang on, let's today. talk about these numbers because this is important for our show. Mm-hmm. Back then, that heist was roughly $215,000 to $330,000 of, worth of gold. But its value today At would be $3, million. 3 million. So don't tell me that the fiat dollars just okie dokie. That's really good. That's a really good 52. Out. 1952. This is 71 years ago. In 71 years, we've gone from gold having a value of $215,000 to $3 million. Your money isn't worth anything. Now is the time. I got my ad rolling and everything for you to get out of the system. It's wealth preservation. Because if you had had your money, if your great granddaddy had had his money in gold and you had kept it in gold and he had had, let's say, $100,000, man, he, you'd be looking at a million bucks right if now. If kept it in a sock. Being paper. If you kept it in a sack of paper, then there you go. Yeah, and this
4: this is absolutely true. I was just thinking about that, and I like to remind you guys that
3: the dollar mm. stayed at the same rate for two hundred years. Inflation until, is not a natural occurrence.
4: Until we get back to that, your dollars, my dollars, are safe, safe in nothing. I it's tell not everybody. Safe. My mom says this all the time. Let it flow. Let it flow through you because um, it's going to be worth less tomorrow. And if you need to keep it in some sort of savings, if you need to preserve it, put it in gold, put it in silver. If you guys are like us and you just want to buy a little bit of silver here and there, go to SD Bouillon. If you are unlike us and you've got, uh, you know... A significant whether, amount of whether it's five fifty or you know you like need you've got a somebody. Retirement account. Listen,
3: ITM Trading's been in business for twenty seven years. Right, they are the people that can help you handle the larger numbers, like literally above two thousand dollars. And to me, two thousand dollars is a lot of money. Mm-hmm. If you got more than two thousand dollars, just give them a call 1-866-950-5557. We did not cover no. this. No seven 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 six. Sorry, 866 950 7776 1776. It's a really weird day for us, isn't it? These weird numbers. Give them a call. And just be like, hey, I I want some of those gold bars. <laughs> <laughs> I want this is not only covering this story. Any it just so happens to go together. If any of you can <clears throat> if any of you are putting aside gold bars, good for you. If anyone in our viewers has a gold bar, God bless you. <laughs> I don't even know.
4: Way like to that be.
0: size of gold
3: bar. Way to be. Way too be. All right, that's where we all wanna be. we all I want a gold, gold bars. bar so bad. If any bar viewers want to no, don't send me a gold bar. Do not do that. Okay, don't. That's no. You're gonna get a chocolate bar with a little gold. <laughs> On top from somebody. Want a golden ticket. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Want a golden (laughs) ticket. All right. So, U.S. military evacuates embassy staff from war torn Sudan. Now we have
3: to get serious.
4: Let's get serious. (laughs) All right. Yeah. Could you bring up? I got an Al Jazeera, I've got a Fox News, and we're just going to pump right through some of these clips and then we're going to get to the real deal on what's really happening. A couple YouTube videos over
3: here. Kate.
8: Let's talk about what's happening.
3: Okay, let's do it, lady. Let's, let's do screen it. share so we can talk let's about it. Let's talk about it. What's
4: happening in Sudan? Leah, come
9: on. In Sudan, rival forces remain locked in a power struggle despite international calls for a ceasefire.
8: It's an all-out battle for control of the country between Sudan's army and a paramilitary unit known as the Rapid Support Forces, the RSF led by men who used to be allies. Hundreds of people have been killed and hundreds have been injured. There's fighting in different parts of Sudan, but it's heaviest in the capital Khartoum. There have been attempts at a ceasefire, but they haven't lost it. There have been air attacks and shelling. The airport has been severely damaged. There's no running water or electricity. Supplies of food are running low. ridiculous battle that has civilians caught in the middle and we have nothing to do with this. So what's behind the fighting? Well, people in Sudan have been struggling to set up a democracy after decades under one-man rule. Omar al-Bashir came to power in a military coup in the late 1980s, became president and stayed for 30 years until people rose up and demanded that he step down. Then the army took over and people didn't want them in charge either. So after pressure from protesters, the army agreed to share power with different political groups in a transitional government. The idea was that it would oversee a transition to a democratic system. But two years later, the army kicked out the prime minister and seized power again.
0: The people in Sudan seem to be trapped in this limbo and they're going around and around in a circle that involves the same people, you know, with no clear path or trajectory on how they can actually start to plan uh, for a transition.
8: There have been ongoing talks to make that transition happen between the military and political groups representing that pro-democracy movement. But a major reason the process is being held up is because of an underlying rivalry between the army and the rapid support forces that have become like a second army. And many people see this as a personal rivalry between the army's leader, General Abdel Fattah al-Burhan, who's effectively the leader of the country, and the leader of the RSF, General Mohammed Hamdan Dagalu, widely known as Hemeti. The thing is, for years both men were on the same side and had been since the war in Darfur. Hemeti led a militia at the time widely known as the Janjaweed, and they were used by al-Bashir's army to fight rebels in the region of Darfur.
10: They were created to protect
3: the upper echelon of the military and the senior commanders.
8: They're accused of carrying out war crimes there, and al-Bashir actually got charged with committing genocide. In
4: 2013, the
8: militia were re-
4: Okay, so go ahead and play the uh, one next to it, and we'll get to a little bit more
11: Straight to a Fox News alert, violence escalating in Sudan overnight. The U.S. military airlifting its embassy staff and their families from the country.
12: The State Department maintaining its level four do not travel advisory as airports shut down and roads are blocked off.
13: Alexandria Hoff joins us live from Washington. Good morning.
12: Good morning, Will. Rachel, Pete, while U.S. government employees have been evacuated, there are still thousands of Americans caught in the crosswire of this violent power struggle in Sudan. Last night, President Biden confirmed that the U.S. was temporarily suspending operations there as the fighting in Sudan's capital of Khartoum and other cities has raged on into a second week now. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin called the evacuation of U.S. military personnel, U.S. diplomatic personnel, a successful operation. Additional countries and the United Nations mobilized to REMOVED DIPLOMATIC STAFF AS WELL. THAT TOOK PLACE LAST NIGHT THROUGH THIS MORNING. BUT TIME IS RUNNING OUT FOR ANYBODY WHO WANTS TO GET OUT OF THIS COUNTRY IF IT HAS NOT HAPPENED YET. AIR TRAFFIC HAS BEEN HALTED. The airport pummeled by shelling their roadblocks as you can see in place complete chaos and the nation of 45 million people running out of food and medicine right now there's little access to medical care as more than two-thirds of sudan's hospitals are out of service and according to the united nations looters have stolen at least 10 world food program vehicles those were there to help in addition, a large food market in Darfur that also served as a camp for displaced people was burned yesterday. Nearly 600 people have reportedly lost their lives so far in this conflict, and it's one that President Biden called last night belligerent, demanding that an unconditional ceasefire must be implemented and that humanitarian access has to be allowed in that country. Sudan is now entering its second week once again of violence as the army and a paramilitary group called Rapid Rapid Support Forces battle for control of the country. The two sides actually used to be allies seizing power together in a coup two years ago. Now they are fighting over which side's general would be the one to lead the country's military. And this morning, the New York Times is reporting that the two sides are accusing each other of standing in the way of evacuation efforts for other foreign diplomats. Guys.
11: All right. Thank you, Alexandria so tense moments there in the horn of africa we've all been learning a little more about sudan yeah. this morning what i think is interesting or important is that uh this has been described as an existential war both of these sides um see this as a zero-sum game so somebody has to be eliminated
13: yeah there was a general and there was his deputy and they made a deal together to depose the existing government which had been there for about 30 years in 2019 then they turned on each other when there was not a power sharing a reg- uh, arrangement uh, that could work. And you look at that map right now, th- I mean, Sudan's the third largest country in Africa. It's got a substantial uh, land border with the Red Sea. Uh, a lot of uh, trade goes through that area. It, it's got alliances with China, with Russia. We've tried to build relationships there as well. It's got a substantial Islamist background as well, although. The government tried to go secular. We'll see what happens out of this. But it's a civil war right now between two generals trying to control that capital.
12: Yeah, and Libya is playing a role in this because there is the General Haftar. um, He leads the Libyan National Army um, in Libya, and he is pretty close with the Rapid Support Forces leader, Hemti, And so it looks like they're getting help from each other. Um, and of course, this is an important area with um, lots of routes for drugs and um, and other you know things moving through there. So a lot of people want to control that that area and want to align with whoever they think is going to win.
11: Yeah, the external influence is also something to keep our yes. eye on. Um, Russia's tried to make entrees into that into that country, as you point out, Pete. Its importance. With that with that border on the Red Sea makes it something that can control trade or drugs or terrorism going through yes. that, that area. And in fact, that's what's highlighted in the Washington Post. Look at this headline. Wagner Group surges in Africa as U.S. influence fades. Leak reveals. Now, this is tied to the leak uh, from here in America with that Air National Guardsman, Jack Teixeira. This is where this information comes from. The Washington Post goes on to say the Wagner Group is moving aggressively to establish a confederation of anti-Western states in Africa and the Russian mercenaries foment instability while using their Paramilitary and disinformation Capabilities to bolster Moscow's Allies according to those leaked Secret U.S. intelligence documents We referenced Wagner Group there several times I don't want to take for granted that anyone knows what that is It's fascinating. Um, Pete, Wagner Group Mercenaries employed by Vladimir Putin.
13: Paramilitary uh, Plausible deniability from the Kremlin But they're, they're much like the RGC in Iran They're meant to export the interests of Russia, um, just like Iran uses paramilitary forces to do the same. They go into countries either to bolster regimes Pause. they like.
4: Russia's CIA. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Russia's CIA. Now, if you could go, um, I'm going to go back to, well, go ahead and go to the main and then bring up these two more video, two other videos. Before we kind of move on, I want to go, go backwards just a little bit. There's a video here, um, if you go to the history of the geopolitics of Russia's new port sudan Russia. naval base now this is from two years ago from bef- before the war in ukraine okay it's a, war in ukraine started last year right It's
14: expanding its yes. geopolitical <laughs> footprint it's been a alongside time. its established military bases across europe and asia the country has plans to open bases across africa and south america in an effort to restore its status as a global power Most recently, in November 2020, Russia secured a 25-year agreement with the Sudanese government to build a naval logistics centre at Port Sudan. By opening a base on the Red Sea, Russia joins the United Arab Emirates and Turkey, which are also expanding their geopolitical footprints in the region, which is expected to be at the epicentre of an explosion of economic and trade growth going into the 21st century. Moscow's recent move in the Red Sea is driven by a combination of geostrategic ambition, commercial interests, and a desire to re-establish Russian prestige on the world stage. Since the collapse of the Soviet Union and its financial implications, and also because of Russia's fundamental geographic conundrum, namely its lack of accessible and secure seaports which are not at the mercy of adversarial states, Russian geopolitical power has largely been confined to the former Soviet Union. In particular, the Russian Navy, which hasn't built and launched a new destroyer vessel since the end of the Soviet Union in late 1991, has fallen into disrepair, being unable to project the level of kinetic power of its Soviet predecessor. However, things are changing in a big way. With its relatively increased economic stability, Russia has begun to modernize its previously dated military. Russian military strategists have been somewhat innovative in their thinking in the past decade, understanding that with a lack of funding, other avenues of warfare must be considered if the country is to take on more kinetically powerful adversaries. Instead of the previous emphasis on mass mobilization, Russia has chosen to modernize its forces in a way which makes them better equipped, more dynamic and better able to meet the strategic needs of the country in the realm of 21st century warfare. All of that said, Russia still has a long way to go in terms of military modernization, okay. you particularly... So you can
4: kind of get an idea of that. And then um, I have this, I have one more in the history. Yeah, this We now switch our
0: focus to Africa. The horn of Africa is fast turning into a new hotbed of great power and rivalry. Curtsy, it's strategically significant location. The region at Africa's eastern tip borders the Red Sea. The water body connects Asia to Europe through the Suez Canal. 10% of global trade passes through this region. For Europe, the stakes are higher. Nearly 40% of its trade crosses the Red Sea. The United States, China, France, Italy, Turkey and Japan already have a foreign naval presence here. But there is a new player on the block now. Yes, Russia. Russia will soon have its first base at the strategic waterway. A Russian base is expected to come up in Sudan. Sudan's military junta has completed a review of a pact signed with Moscow in 2019, The Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov was in Sudan last week and this is what Lavrov said about the Naval Pact.
6: Regarding the agreement on the establishment of a logistical support point for the Russian Federation Navy, it has been signed and is in the
9: process of ratification, as you know.
0: So what exactly does the new pact entail? Russia will set up a naval base in Sudan. It could base up to 300 Russian troops at this base and get hosting rights for its nuclear warships. In return, Moscow will supply the insurgency-torn nation with weapons. Moscow has pledged support to Sudan at the UN because Sudan faces an international weapons embargo. Its international funds have also been confiscated after the 2021 coup. Russia and Sudan signed the pact in 2019, but it had been in limbo for more than two years it first suffered a setback in october 2021 and this was when sudan's civilian government was toppled in a coup sudan was cut off from billions of dollars of international funding this worsened the humanitarian situation and then russia invaded ukraine last february the repercussions were felt in africa the u.s has warned sudan of further isolation if it agrees to host a russian base mm. In fact, here's what the American ambassador to Sudan, John Godfrey, said last September. I quote: "All countries have a sovereign right to decide which other countries to partner with, but these choices have consequences, of course. Clearly, the Sudanese school leaders are under pressure. They're under pressure to derail the pact. Lavrov wasn't the only one visiting Sudan last week. Pause that. There were also envoys from." Did you hear that?
4: Then we're going to finish this. Um- the coup leaders are being funded by americans mm-hmm. to to make sure that this doesn't
0: go forward with russia hmm. on the united states the united kingdom france and several other foreign governments uh, just sorry i give you an a, idea if the united states is saying <clears throat> hey if you
4: guys go through with this there will be consequences let me tell you a bunch of sudanese are not thinking. Well, you know what? Those 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 people in the United States are so right. Out of our, the goodwill of our heart, and we're just going to listen to to Grandpa United States, Uncle United States, and you know what? We're just going to go to war right now because they told us it's the right thing to do. The right thing to do comes with money.
3: Exactly.
0: What was their message to Sudan school leaders? They want a democratic civilian government to be reinstated ASAP. Sudan would stand further isolated if this demand is not met. And Sudan is in desperate need of international aid. According to humanitarian agencies, 15.8 million Sudanese are in need of urgent humanitarian assistance. Now that's a million more people than last year. And the reasons for the worsening situation are political instability, increasing inter-ethnic violence, a breakdown in government services after the coup. It is difficult for Sudan to get by without foreign assistance. And even for Russia, there is a clear recognition that the pact must be approved by Sudan's civilian regime. One such government is formed through elections, of course. So for Russia, it may not be a done and dusted deal, but for now, it is a big win to advance its own geopolitical ambitions. Beyond is one is this now. is
4: a pretty crazy uh situation that 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 is happening right now in sudan and it is uh, america seems to every time i turn around it's america has something to do with it and,
3: and do you, you want to, to say, play the video file they want me to play this one yeah
1: here is why you should care about the fighting that is going on in sudan what's happening there is more than meets the eye and it's time for the world to discuss the actual truth of what is going on there. America and Russia are at it again, just as they did 60 years ago during the Cold War, when they fought proxy wars right in Africa, leading to the death of thousands of innocent Africans. They are at it again in Sudan, fighting a proxy war. Let me explain. Two factions of the Sudanese military are fighting each other. One of them is led by Lieutenant General Mohammed Hamdan, head of the paramilitary group known as Rapid Support Forces. The other faction is led by the Sudanese Army Chief, General Abdel Fattah Al-Burhan. So why are they fighting? This is where Russia and USA come into the picture. You see, in the last couple of months, Russia has finalized a deal with Sudan to establish Russia's naval base in Sudan's Red Sea coast. America is not too happy with that. Actually, they're furious. America's ambassador to Sudan, John Godfrey, expressly wants Sudan not to seal that deal with Russia. But they're going ahead and doing just that. And so when the paramilitary unit began fighting the other faction of the army, that wasn't happening in a vacuum. The big problem is that you're not going to hear this in the mainstream media. Neither are you going to hear a lot of African governments voicing this, which is very unfortunate because Africa must learn to speak its truth and stand on this truth because truth will set you free. So it is left to the African people, we the African people to speak this truth and tell America and Russia to get off Africa, to get the hands off Africa. The days of the Cold War, the days of the shenanigans of the Cold War are completely over. And they cannot fight proxy wars in Africa at the expense of innocent African lives. That has to stop. The fighting in Sudan must stop. The puppet masters must stop their evil.
3: So that was pretty much all those news outlets that we just covered. Summed up in that little video right there that that guy did.
4: Yeah, and I've got another one. If you go <clears heard> to <throat> the all the way to the right, uh I've got a couple. I think somebody from the Netherlands and somebody from the UK kind of explaining this as well.
15: Good morning. More evidence is emerging. Didn't
3: realize there was two videos. So yeah, just trying to make it big.
15: That third world war has in fact begun because we find that the Ukrainian conflict now has an echo in Sudan, in Africa, where the president of Sudan had awarded Russia the right to build a naval port so that the Russian ships could control the Red Sea and part of the Indian Ocean. And in response, yesterday, the American backed military forces started fighting the Russian backed military forces on Sudanese soil in order to effect a regime change for Sudan, so that Sudan can be bombed back into seeing things the Western way. The problem here is, of course, that the European Union should have been the third party mediator between the Russians and the Americans to keep these two fighting mongrels apart. Instead, Europe is still a slave of the USA and will simply do what the Americans tell them to do. Here I suggest that Europeans need to decouple from the USA in order to become that third independent player in such conflicts.
4: All right, that's a really good explanation, there's one more.
9: Good morning. Uh, I've been asked about what I think on the Sudan. Well, I can tell you what I know and then I can tell you what I think. Um, So what I know is that the Sudanese government, which is a military government, it has to be said, uh, had done a deal with Russia to build a base on one of the ports which would give them control over that area. That's an area that the Americans don't want Russia to have any control over whatsoever. The other thing that is very telling here is I will read you this statement from Secretary Anthony Blinken who tweeted this out. It says, I spoke with Sovereign Sovereign Council Chair General after Berner today to highlight US support for Sudanese democratic aspirations and to urge the swift formation of a civilian led transitional government so let's break that down um, we have the Sudanese army against the other part of the Sudanese army it's rather like Wagner trying to overthrow Vladimir Putin so what you have is a hundred thousand mercenary soldiers um, called the RRF the rapid response force and what they do is they fight in other countries Uh, like Libya and elsewhere uh, for pay, and they are not paid by Sudan, they're paid by whoever employs them, and you can guess who employs them. So let's break this down, that's the facts of the matter, and as I say the civil war is ongoing. Um, The facts of the matter are clear, and let's get to it shall we. I spoke with Sovereign, so straight away in the language they're saying that he's in the right and the others are in the wrong. To highlight US support, well we all know what that means, money, arms, pay, okay, Um, support for Sudanese democratic aspirations, so you're using a mercenary military force for democracy, and to urge the SWIFT formation, so in other words, let's get this done quickly.
4: That's really a really good explanation. Now, just to kind of break down a little bit more that's at stake for um, Russia. (coughs) Excuse me. Over the past year, the world has watched closely as the Wagner Group, Wagner Group, a private military company, closely linked to the Russian government um, as it fights on the front lines in Ukraine. But (laughs) there are 30 other countries that they are in. With their violent power struggle in sudan between um these two forces the saf and uh the rapid support group there is deeply rooted in S- sudan's domestic policies moscow has some interest here you know what's interesting is that gold mining so there is a moscow kind of linked um subsidiary it's called uh, Moreau gold It's a subsidiary of M-Invest that operates locally as the Sudanese front company, Al-Solag, and it has built a network of gold mining and smuggling operations in Sudan. Now, we do know that China and Russia are building up their gold reserves. The best way to build up your gold reserves is to mine it. Okay? And if you can go to a war-torn,
3: poor country
4: in Africa, you can get more gold. So in addition to funding the Wagner uh, operations and generating profit, this gold smuggling has also helped to soften the blow of international sanctions against key Russian actors. Uh, Then there's the Red Sea naval base and and out of this this power struggle. So here we have Americans who are supporting democracy and Russians who are like, hey, uh, we really need a port here and we would really like to run these gold mines and so this is what we call real war. Now, if you bring up <laughs> this, I have a picture <coughs> of what uh, uh, real war is and the danger behind Did you just it?
3: retweet this? No, it's right up there next to them. Oh, you're kidding. No. You brought this up on purpose. Yeah. I love this. It's so great. So it says, um, when two elephants fight, it's the grass that suffers. It's a Chinese proverb. Yes. Like, of okay.
1: Oh, and the tree. Tree's
3: going down. Oh, it went down. I, I just really the 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 and Then, and then, then this person, like, takes off running, like, What are you? I am high tailing. You know, it out so, here. for those of you that don't know, we got baby piglets. Um,. This week, they fight like that. They they do actually. They they do get a little fighty. Um, I don't know if I have like a video or anything up, but here's here's a picture. Leah's got all the latest pictures actually on her phone. But um, they they do fight sometimes, and it's easy to go in and break it up because we are humans and they are little it's piglets. Up. You're not breaking. You ain't breaking up no elephant <laughs> fight. I
4: have one more video here because in addition to what's happening. Um, are, there's a there's a couple here if you want to play one or two. There's a U.S. citizen that has been killed. In We're going to turn now
3: over. Oh, dear.
4: And um, there are 16,000 U.S. citizens that are not being evacuated. They got the embassy staff out, and that's it
0: overseas to the crisis in sudan where at least one american is among the more than 600 who are confirmed dead the u.s military is now preparing for the possible evacuation of american citizens and of course martha mm-hmm. raditz is tracking it all with the latest from washington good morning to you martha
7: good morning juju this morning one side in the sudanese war between generals has claimed a ceasefire but it sure doesn't look like one with this nation of 45 million people including thousands of americans caught in the crossfire Overnight, amid ferocious fighting in Sudan's capital, the militia there claiming a 72-hour ceasefire has been reached, though Sudan's armed forces have not confirmed the agreement. The death toll reaching more than 600, with one American among the dead. The Pentagon now rushing additional U.S. forces to nearby Djibouti to help in a possible evacuation of the dozens of U.S. embassy personnel now sheltering in place. If and when there's a decision uh, to move towards some sort of uh, military evacuation, then we'll have more to say about that at the time in terms of size, scale, scope. But an administration official telling ABC that the situation is far too dangerous now to try any evacuation. The airport has been pummeled by shelling Air traffic halted, and the embassy personnel are not the only Americans in danger. Some 16,000 U.S. citizens are there in Sudan, caught in the crossfire of the conflict, running out of food, medicine, and with humanitarian aid also halted. American citizen Mohammed Ahmed, originally from Sudan, there for his father's funeral, now he's trapped.
16: The war break on six days after I arrived. And now we're stuck, and hopefully something will work out here soon and we'll be home.
7: There is no telling when that could be. As we said, there is no international airport operating, no safe transportation, and even if this 72-hour ceasefire is real, fighting will likely only intensify after that. Rebecca?
8: and a Nation of 45
3: million. Yeah,
4: so you've got The Wall Street Journal published their own exclusive piece a day prior to Wednesday alleging that the Libyan militia and Egypt's military-backed Opposite sides in the Sudan conflict. So these two stories complement one another. Both uh, Hamiti and Wagner have denied these claims, however. The Sudanese ambassador to Russia also confirmed that Russia is a friendly country to us, so we have been in direct contact with the Russian foreign ministry since the beginning of these events last Saturday. That diplomat's reaffirmation of Sudan's close ties with Russia is especially important, since he represents the government that's internationally recognized as being led by Chief General Abdel Fattah. Fatal uh, Al Baran, who commands the Sudanese army forces, the SAF, and is one of the two figures vying for power. Um, if that, if, if the SAF is close to to Russia, and that's the the internationally recognized government, then these rapid response mercenaries, mercenaries, uh, I guess a hundred thousand of them, are being funded, obviously, by outside forces and most likely American CIA forces you know you want to know where your taxes go okay so you've got at present the Khartoum therefore doesn't extend credence to the emerging U.S. led western mainstream media narrative that Russia is arming the RSF uh, via the Haftar-Wagner, but that could soon change. Unless the present three-day Eid aid, uh, ceasefire holds uh, that, and leads to the start of peace talks, that ultimately end this deep state war, which is unlikely since both sides may clear their intent to completely destroy the other, then this conflict is expected to resume in the near future. Should the SAF fail to defeat the RSF and possibly even be placed on the back foot, then Burhan might gamble that it's in his best interest to parrot the mainstream media's anti-Russian accusa- accusations in an attempt to achieve uh, receive direct uh, Western military support. That scenario isn't all that far-fetched either, considering that the Associated Press and Politico both cited unnamed officials on Thursday to read the report to report that the U.S. is assembling additional troops in nearby uh, Djibouti to prepare for the possible evacuation of Americans from Sudan, so American uh, meddling in these in the Russian-Egyptian relations, this would be this would predictably precede an unprecedented but pre-planned information warfare campaign, painting Russia as a destabilizing force in Africa, which would be aimed at counteracting its hitherto. Highly successful efforts at presenting itself as a force of stability in support of legitimate governments. The purpose of this aforesaid operation would be to erode Russia's new Democrat security appeal across the continent with a view towards reversing the decline of Western influence there. Furthermore, Baran's potentially opportunistic piggybacking on the earlier described emerging anti russian narrative could have serious implications for Moscow's ties with Cairo. Due to the perception of them backing opposite sides in Sudan's deep state war, Russian Egyptian relations have recently been beset by scandal upon the latest Pentagon leaks, alleging that Cairo abandoned its supposedly secret plan to supply rockets to Moscow under pressure from Washington and agreed to arm Kiev instead. Considering this context, the scenario of Egyptian-backed Baran blaming Russia for sparking the latest conflict could therefore lead to rapid deterioration of the Russian-Egyptian ties, especially if Cairo decides to indirectly retaliate against Mo- Moscow by curtailing its investment in, uh, in investment rights in Port Said. So you've got the the goal would the goal could be jeopardized if Egypt decides to punish Russia through these means in response to Baran, and then here's some here's some final thoughts here putting everything together the u.s plans to achieve the following strategic objectives by introducing the narrative that russia is arming the rsf entice baron to extend credence to these claims in exchange for u.s military support demand that he also rescinds russians naval base rights and cuts off its overflow access to the car consider direct support to the saf on the pretext of commencing an evacuation operation in sudan discredit russia and the uae's African engagement policies by framing both as destabilizing forces attempt to provoke a crisis in Russia's relations with Sudan's Chad Indian and Egyptian neighbors exploit the above scenario to assemble a regional coalition for pushing back against Russians, it, Russia in Africa encourage Chad to support a French backed rebel terrorist offensive in the Russian allied CAR. Uh, plot, a copycat proxy war in Russia allied Mali in order to crush the Kremlin's influence in Salah, uh, uh, perfect th- Perfect. this new hybrid war method prior to employing it across the continent and thus turn Africa
3: into top proxy war battleground of the new Cold War. Now, that sounds really intense. Here we have they just literally went from this tiny proxy war, which I'm not saying that it's tiny, to now all of Africa is going to become a battleground for a new worldwide Here's Cold the thing. War like war. Every country
4: war. has relations with other countries. All right? This is a region, yeah, right? Uh, it, it, the, the Sudanese, emb- the people in the American embassy in Sudan were just flown across the Red Sea into Saudi Arabia. I am sitting here in a studio in America. And I am thinking about how I'm going to go to the local greenhouse to get some more plants possibly today. Michelle's going to go to a 16th birthday party for a cousin with my uncle. I have piggies outside. I have baby chickens. And and there are people around the world who spend their days plotting war. (laughs) Oh, jeez. And they have their spreadsheets on rocket launchers and missiles and I find this so disingenuous these radical stupid ignorant forgive me leftists who wah 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 about gun control all day long for you and me because we want to be able to protect ourselves against foreign and domestic terror, you know, we want to be able to protect ourselves and we need them for things like shooting and putting our pigs down, okay? Oops. Sorry. So, here's my, my, my thought process is this. Why is it that the big guns they're telling me that I can't have an assault weapon, but the big guns are needed by these mercenaries. And in, in, in war-torn parts of the world where you talk about, um, it's mostly in Africa and the Middle East, because I don't really see the giant rocket launchers in South America.
3: You know what I mean? You know where they're going, Ukraine.
4: Yeah, but I'm just saying it's it on it's on I'm the other side of the outside of
3: South Africa. And... There's
4: a lot of war. War. The, I'm, I'm saying there's a lot of civil war in yes. South South America, but it's usually not with rocket launchers and big bombs yeah. and stuff like that and and airplanes. Like I I, I don't know. You guys can, can prove me wrong. It seems to be the Middle East, the poor Middle East. Uh, that's already desert desertified. Okay, they should be out there planting trees. The green people are not green. Okay,
3: And the anti-war people are not anti-war. And the
4: anti-weaponry people, the anti-gun people have this huge cognitive dissonance that somehow the rocket launchers in the Middle East are just that. But then when some crazy person shoots up a school, that we have to go take all the guns away from everyone. Why don't we just take all the weapons from everyone in Africa and the Middle East? it's a good idea all weapons from the government from the people and therefore they will have to do hand-to-hand combat and then what they say here in the united states is that you can't kill as many people without a gun
3: right so that's what you got to do and so in those nations that are killing each other but leah we are we are supplying weapons because we want them to kill people
4: every here's the thing we supply weapons to everyone around the world. We make these weapons deals with the giant weapons that kill a lot more people and do a lot more destruction than an AR-15 could ever do. An AR-15 can never destroy a house. You could put a lot of holes in it, right? But one rocket,
3: boom. A whole, you know, a whole city block. And can let's go. keep in mind who they're giving these weapons to. I mean, are they only giving them to government arm, like, to, does like it, governments? Doesn't even matter. No, Is it does. There... I'm making a point, though. It. They, yeah, they give them to civilians. Well, uh, here's the thing. They do. Like they, it's not even just fun. It's not even giving weapons to governments. They will give them to the everyday man, like rocket stinking launchers. You have. People in America, the
4: leftists in the West, are all like... And, and even Australia, wherever you're at with your stupid gun control. Even though Switzerland, everybody has a gun. Nobody's shooting anybody. Whatever. Okay? Um, you notice, you know, everybody has a gun in Israel. You have to carry... You, you got the... Everybody's in the military as soon as you turn 18. And they walk around town with the AR-15s. And they're not shooting up schools there in Israel. Right. Okay? There's something wrong. You crazy lefties are radicalizing and brainwashing these children in in America, you are to blame, okay? You are to blame. But there's so much war happening around the world, like in Sudan, right, happening right now. Bombs and everything. And the lefties are not there saying, we just need to take the guns away. We just need to take the rockets away. War in the Middle East
3: and in Africa would halt. As far as these people are concerned, if there were no weapons, but that's, that's the, they're American. They would say that to your face, but deep down inside, they're like, no, we got to fund it and we got to give them weapons. Let me read a couple of comments over here from D live from Barry. He says, happy St. George, George's day to everybody in England. So thank you for reminding us of that. This probably has something to do with Russia actually trying to split the media to cover Sudan by causing the insurgents in Sudan to escalate Sudan problems, just as Hitler did with the Japanese at Pearl Harbor to keep the U.S. out of the European War of World War II. If USA is fighting on two fronts, then there are more world issues to deal with, effectively making the West weaker by concentrating on the new war in Sudan. You just need to look at the history to see what's happening now. Leah, the only way that the American citizens could take on the government is if you were allowed tanks and RPGs An assault rifle won't take down a terrorist guerrilla army. Michelle, there are more AK-47s in Afghanistan than there are people. The Afghanis actually make their own AK-47s. Now they copy older ones or they actually make them. James says, Leah, you're very spot on. Barry says, I'm not against guns, but believe me, the amount of guns that Americans hold wouldn't be anything like what would be needed to take on a terror army. No, I agree with you on that.
4: All right, so Ukraine officials uh, have demanded an endless stream of military aid from the West. Just open up all your wallets, give me all your money. You know what that sounds like? It sounds like a thief. It, it sounds like a I'm robber. being
3: robbed. You are being robbed. Give me
4: all your money. Several days after, after Republican lawmakers spent a letter to Biden demanding the, the endless military aid to Ukraine be halted, Ukrainian Deputy Foreign Minister uh, Andrei Melnik tweeted that Western nations need to do more. We are thankful for our allies in the military... Uh, I'm trying to do... Where's my Russian? Where's my Ukrainian Russian? Um... I can't come up with it Just
3: today. Do, we are
4: thankful for our allies for the military help, but it's not enough. Ukraine needs 10 times more to finish Russia. Russian aggression this year. The official called on Western's par- Western partners to cross all artificial red lines and devote 1% of GDP uh, for uh, Ukraine weapons deliveries. I love that it tells you how much. If somebody needs help, I'm going to tell you this is how much you're going to give me. <laughs> Melnick's further demands come as the Biden administration approved a new weapons package. More weapons, 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 weapons. Wednesday, worth $325 million. So far, the U.S. has supplied 36 weapons packages in one year. $35 billion last week. Uh, so Republican senators and representatives, representatives told the Biden administration in a letter that aid to Ukraine must be halted. We, we write to express concern. Oh, I hate that. Oh, we got concern. It's a little bit of concern. But there's one man. One man who's standing up to the rest. constant attacks of the Hungarian uh, government from the US. De- uh, Democrats do little to differentiate uh, the US from the bullying superpowers it seeks to distance itself from. The relentless criticism by the Biden administration towards the incumbent Hungarian government is entirely disproportionate and unjustified and does little to separate the current U.S. regime from the malign superpowers it seeks to distance itself from. Hungary's leader recognizes this and is putting his own country's interests ahead of those of the United States, a stance uh, Europe would be wise to follow. Despite pressure from the U.S., Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban said his country cannot be pushed into joining the war on the side of Ukraine. The United States has not given up its plan to squeeze anyone, including Hungary, into a war alliance to go with the crowd. But I have made it clear several times, and Hungarian's diplomacy has also expressed this, that the will of the Hungarian people is clear and our knowledge of history is quite solid. So we will not allow any of this. We will not allow them to squeeze us into war. We will not send any weapons. And we will not be involved in a conflict that is not our war
3: boom victor orban for the win
4: all right i love play, this guy. Play, play play the play play the dude here this dude is just like his face my grandfather came from sweden and he had this big head and this big neck it looked very
3: similar to victor yeah, orban he did yeah, so. all right p.m orban says the u.s cannot what did it say they push pushed into the, war on the side of ukraine on the side of ukraine
17: the
3: Magyarországot is, has not given
17: up its plan to anyone, a war alliance to
3: But I have made it clear several times, Hungarian diplomacy has also expressed this, that the will of the Hungarian people is clear and our knowledge of history is quite solid so we will not allow this This, i think this is what we had just read but we're repeating it again whatever path our friends may choose
17: we will not allow them to squeeze us into a war we will not send
3: any weapons and we will not be involved in a conflict that is not conflict that is not our war orban made the remarks after the us hit a hungarian-based bank with sanctions Hmm,
5: that's stupid
3: accusing it of being a front for Russian interests.
5: The presence of this opaque Kremlin platform in the heart of Hungary threatens the security and sovereignty of the Hungarian people, their European neighbors, and their NATO allies. Since this Russia-controlled entity moved from Moscow to Budapest in 2019, the United States has engaged the Hungarian government on numerous occasions to register our concern about the risks, its presence, in Hungary poses for the NATO alliance.
3: Hungary has shut down the international bank investment. So
17: egyet, Orban says we never agreed for the United States to anyone's right, including, including the United States,
3: States to oppose sanctions, sanctions if they, they see fit. We acknowledge these sanctions and tartjuk. we roll with them. Bank maga, the bank itself is a bank. That could have
17: played a major role in the development of central European economies. And we were not the only ones, what did that say
4: there? Do you need to just make it slower?
3: Well, you had me speed it up. Let me okay. just back it up here. The founders, including the Czechs. We were not the only ones who thought so. So, the founders, including the Czechs.
17: The Slovakians, Romania, Bulgaria. Is. But since the war, it is clear that the possibilities the of this bank
3: have narrowed. Yeah.
17: It cannot be expected to be involved in serious large developments, and now
3: that it has been sanctioned by the Americans, it is ruined. Orban says part of the issue may be due to the tensions with the Biden administration.
17: In America, the ambassadors are typically politically appointed, and
3: we have to acknowledge that there is an ambassador
17: close to the democratic
3: party and we cannot interfere with that and they send whoever they want and we have to acknowledge that the ambassador the u.s ambassador represents the united states views in hungary however he says hungary has a different view on the war than the biden
17: administration
3: the war is not supported by the hungarian people consequently the hungarian government does not support it either and on the other hand the main supporters of the war are the americans the united states of america to be exact obviously we think about the war in a completely different way but in my opinion the american hungarian friendship must endure this difference of opinion that's really good well said.
4: all right so if you scroll down there's another video here where Prime Minister uh, Viktor Orban is saying, God, save us from nuclear war.
3: Yeah, because it's, literally, that's where we're at. All right, Hungary's Prime Minister uh, Viktor Orban warns of nuclear war. Has never been closer. It's getting more and more gloomy if we recall our last conversation.
17: There are two important bits of news. One is that the British, if I recall correctly, Want to send depleted uranium uranium ammunition to the Ukrainian front, front. which is, of course, Uh, not an unknown uh, military tool, but it still brings us closer to the world of nuclear equipment. equipment. It's not a nuclear bomb yet, but it's something uh, that puts nuclear energy, uh, the specifics of nuclear firearms, into the war. a a másik hír pedig, the other news is that the Palapára Russians szépten, may have
3: deployed tactical uh, nuclear weapons in Belarus as a, as a response.
17: So the escalation of war now makes it quite clear that we have reached the stage of nuclear weapons. I told you last time that
3: the fear that we all have is not an exaggeration that the further expansion of war could sooner or later
17: involve some type of nuclear weapon so if there is a world, world war, war is, then there
3: will oh, be the something, something. good lords, a nuclear war and good lord save us from it there you go
4: yeah good lord right. save us from it
3: so I'm going to sw- switch back to the main screen and I'm going to go I got a birthday party to go to are you going to finish the show yourself I am stay is with me this?
4: we've got we've got some stuff
3: we do you know what do- you're doing you know how um, to shut down the show Possibly. sometimes you forget the ending you just like shut down the program Make sure to remember the ending. Make, guys, in the chat. So, Leah, let me show you. Mm-hmm. Whatever you do, don't shrink this screen. Just go off to the side. If you want to go to a different, go there. If you want to go here, go here. But whatever you do, you're not allowed to touch the shrinky button. Yeah. If you need, that's, that, and then nothing wrong will happen to you. No,
4: I got I got more for you guys. We
3: got some, we got more. And so here's the chat, though, if you want to see the chat. Okay. Are those green carbon nu- neutral weapons? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, okay, I was just re- I wanted to read some comments before I left. Michelle Hungary is talking about talking tough, but it only has a small army. Its weaponry is old, and the air force only has forty-eight aircrafts. So, although it is saying it won't send the weapons, it can't because it doesn't have enough weapons to send. Oh, Barry for the win! Oh, that was so good. That was really good. Hmm. You make an excellent point.
4: Yeah,
3: um, when, he's right, when, I, he's right. when I pop over to, um,
4: I, I'm gonna say goodbye to Facebook at some point. So um, go ahead and put the Rumble chat in there for everybody, if you wouldn't mind. What do you mean the Rumble chat in there? Put the Rumble link in the Facebook because we're gonna oh, say yeah, goodbye okay. to Facebook soon. Everybody gonna,
3: watching on Facebook, just follow this link or go to Rumble.com forward slash resistance
4: chicks Stuff that Facebook doesn't like. Okay. Facebook doesn't
3: like. All right, well, there's your. Make sure you check the chat here. Check the chat. I'll do my best. As best you can. All right. Okay. See you. Bye. See you. Bye. Bye,
4: y'all. Okay.
3: Ah, oh, your mm-hmm. chair is kind of can gonna
4: be. No, we can do it with your chair there. All right, you guys. I got more for you. You got more. We got more. All right. So. So you guys know in the UK. You got Diane Abbott and we are going to go ahead and screen share so you guys can see what I'm, what I'm seeing. I think that's the best way share and share alike, right? Boom. There she is. Far left labor MP Diane Abbott is suspended for saying Jews and white people don't experience racism. So Diane Abbott, you guys are sending me links. She is our um, Maxine Waters. Ditzy is all get out. Longtime ally of socialist Jeremy Corbyn, has been suspended from the Labour Party after she argued that historically oppressed white people or Jewish people do not experience racism. The Member of Parliament for Hackney North and Stoke uh, Newing- uh, Newington has opened up the latest anti-Semitism scandal to befall the left-wing British Labour Party. On Saturday, Diane Abbott objected to an opinion article in the left-wing Observer newspaper the sister paper of the Guardian, that argued that Irish, Jewish, and traveler gypsy people had all reported experiencing racism. Writing in response to the piece, she wrote, It is true that many types of white people with points of difference, such as redheads, can experience this prejudice, but they are not all their lives subject to racism. In pre-civil rights America, Irish people, Jewish people, and travelers were not required to sit at the back of the bus. In apartheid South Africa, these groups were allowed to vote. And at the height of slavery, there were no white-seeming people um, on the slave ships. Abbott argued that prejudice is not the same as racism, likely referring the newfangled leftist academic definition of racism, which requires a system of power in support of the prejudice and therefore conveniently precludes white people from experiencing racism. Responding to the outlandish comment from the MP, political commentator comment, uh, commentator Chris Rose said Diane Abbott believes in an ignorant hierarchy of racism where Jewish people are considered white so don't face racism just prejudice akin to being ginger Jews have faced attempted genocide this is an offense this is in a- this is as offensive as it is staggeringly stupid <laughs> Nigel Farage says does the revisionist Diane Abbott not realize that huge numbers of white slaves were taken from all over Europe and the UK and taken to North Africa? We all know she had she was bad at maths, but her history is even worse. Where do we go from there? Um, I think we should go to the Extinction Rebellion. So in the UK... You've got the far left Extinction Rebellionist environmental groups. They smash windows, splash paint on works of art, glue themselves to runways and roads. And now they have been, a a couple of their leaders have been accused of hypocrisy. I think this one woman, uh, after she was photographed driving a diesel car and buying a variety of packaged non local food. So here we have a picture of, or a video of, eco uh, rebellions, folks putting beet juice on artwork because that's what you do to get attention. This gal, her name is Gail, Bradbrook, who in 2018 helped launch the Fanatical Climate Panic Organization, one of the leaders, has herself participated in multiple acts of vandalism, is purported to drive... To reduce the use of fossil in a purported drive to reduce the use of uh, fossil fuels. This week, somebody took a picture of her groceries. Uh, she's got some kiwis. They weren't grown in, and, and and the bananas aren't grown there locally. Non-local foods, tons of carbon to get those there. How how far her food traveled? Out-of-season fruit and veggies, baby, generate the highest emissions as they often need to be uh, refrigerated while being transported, reported the Sun, which used the environmental website foodmiles.com to calculate how far Brad Book's goodies traveled aboard carbon-spewing conveyances. Her grapes, 7,200 miles from Chile. Her green tea, 5,700 miles from Vietnam. Her orange is 800 miles from Spain, her lemon's 800 miles from Spain, her kiwifruit's 900 miles from from Italy, her red grapefruit, 2,000 miles from Cyprus. Look at that. Just that in that basket alone was 17,400 miles. That's a lot. The contents of this woman's shopping trolley speaks volumes about the hypocrisy of people who think nothing of causing chaos, says a Tory MP, Chris Loader. It would be hilarious if it wasn't so predictable. Extinction Rebellion's leaders clearly live up to the mantra. Do as I say, not as I do. Brad Brook then left the Shroud Gloucester store in a 2013 model diesel burning car, Unlike many of the victims of her organization, she wasn't impeded by a climate awareness roadblock. We can only hope that when she got home, she splashed paint across the car to teach herself a lesson. <laughs> One onlooker, summarized the spectacle this way. Buying fruit flown halfway around the world in non-recyclable packaging, then driving home in a diesel motor. What a towering hypocrite. Brad Book. Brooke, has previously come under fire for her car, in a flimsy defense, she bemoaned the lack of public transportation and the high prices of electric vehicles, and said she needed to take her kids to athletic activities. Bradbrooke's humiliation comes just as stop the oil, as just stop oil and extinction rebellion a fellow traveler says it won't roll out, disrupting the May 8 coronation of King. Charles, we have at the moment a just-stop oil protester climbs the table and disrupts a match of
7: Pull?
18: Oh, yeah, Is got this a big thing you
7: guys? Powder
4: on the table.
10: Tell me Oh, you've never seen a lot of this before Tell me about this the
4: audience, Is this a thing? Do you guys watch this? Do table. people get all fancy? Is this a fancy thing? that's that's funny to me that's pretty funny all right um I wanted to go to where do I want to go next hang on we're gonna go th- we're gonna go back to the main screen while I figure out wait this is why it's so good to have Michelle but we oh, can do this I'm not shrinking anything shrink nope I haven't shrinked anything. Shrunk it. I'm right here. Aren't I? There we go. We have a Neil Oliver clip. So don't you go anywhere. Don't you, don't you dare leave the show here just because it's me. All right. Just because it's me. All right. So these weren't up all the way. All right. So back to the Ukraine real quick. There is a battle over Ukrainian grain dumping. And it is Poland right now who is in hot water because the surrounding nations, the United States paid so much to help Ukraine do its thing that now their grain prices are lower. And with Ukrainian grain, Ukraine's a breadbasket, right? And now it's seeds and grain are getting back onto the market and it's harming other nations. So back in the good old days when our country was just being lured into the European Union, there was a lot of talk about national and um, EU competencies this is from uh, Zero Hedge. The question was how much of our sovereignty would be comprised if we if we sometimes supported common economic measures. I'm believing this is a UK, UK article. I'm not sure. Let me see. Where am I at? Remix news. I think that this is hmm hang on we're gonna just go back to the okay okay white listing. The most important lesson in the last 20 years is that the national room for maneuvering guaranteed by the law has been re- reduced and the EU leadership, with the EU Commission at its head, is trying to turn the Federation of Independent Sovereign States into a United States of Europe by every possible means. There is no reason to believe there is a different trajectory at this point. Uh, What is one to think, after all, when the Polish and Hungarian governments, which are protesting against the import of Ukrainian grain, are being admonished from Brussels in an illegitimate manner? If this were the first time such a sham claim had occurred, we might not even mention it. However, when we hear, and I quote, that the Poles and Hungarians are not free to decide about Ukrainian grain imports because trade policy is a matter of the EU, then all arguments that relate to reality are increasingly meaningless. Okay, Ukraine is not part of the, um, is Ukraine, you guys, so Ukraine is not part of NATO, but this is a very interesting situation where Hungary and Poland are trying to defend themselves and defend their markets from collapsing, and Brussels is saying, no, you have to allow these in and collapse your own, uh, collapse your own economy. It is high time to say that the importance of independent decision-making by member states, supported and reinforced by hundreds of specific cases, is being trampled underfoot by those who claim to believe in the importance of fair relations between nations. Anyone who doesn't understand uh, all this in Brussels, Kiev, or anywhere else in the world needs to be reminded of their own protectionism. Because the independent marketing and trade of domestic products is a fundamental principle everywhere around the world. Poland does not want Ukrainian grain, just as they do not want anything else that their warehouses are full of, that they produce a lot of, and that they do well and compete in. It is also worth noting that the Polish-Ukrainian political military cooperation is uninterrupted. Warsaw is not joking when it comes to grain. See, Poland is really working hard to work with, uh, probably to the fault, okay? We're going to turn now over to, um, with Ukrainians. They want to destroy Russia. Poles Poles hate Russia more than any other nation, I think, in the entire world could hate another nation. It's very, it's crazy. But I am going to switch gears a little bit here and uh, show you guys... someone put this together and Michael Jan shared this and I thought it was interesting that Poland is the only place here with, without a red dot of a terror attack watch this
6: check out this map it shows all the documented terror attacks since 9-11 and one thing really stands out there is one solitary country in the heart of Europe with not a single red dot not one terror attack in the last 20 odd years and that country is Poland
0: how many refugees has Poland taken? Zero. And you're proud of that?
19: If you are asking me, if you are if you're asking me about Muslim uh, Muslims illegal immigration, none, not even one will come to Poland. Not even one, if it's illegal. We we took over two million Ukrainians who are working, who are peaceful in Poland. We will not receive even one Muslim because this is what we promised.
5: But I asked not about illegal
0: immigrants, I asked about refugees. And Jean-Claude Juncker, the commission president, says that you're racist. You sound proud of the fact that you haven't taken any refugees.
19: Of course, because this is what our people are expecting from our government, that's number one. This is why our government was uh, elected. But this is why Poland is so safe. This is the the reason why we have not even uh, one terrorist attack. Look at the streets in Poland. And we can be called populists, nationalists, racists. I don't care. I care about my family and about my country. Amen.
4: I can can dig it. But there is a terrorist. And I got to show you guys something. Michelle left and I'm kind of glad. Because there is <laughs> something happening. And Michelle would be able to tell you more about what is happening in Australia. But there are, our hives have mites. They're called Varroa mites. They're kind of new to the bee population. Uh, we didn't have to worry about them uh, about in, until the 80s and 90s. And varroa mites are little tiny mites that get into a hive colony and can destroy a colony. There are different things that we do to eliminate varroa mites. We check for them. <clears throat> but in Australia, right now, they, this couple, they had their hives destroyed. And no varroa mites were even found. Why this makes me so sick and sad is that if they were to test our hives... We, we do a varroa mite check and we have a few drop to the bottom. It's not overwhelming. There are things you can do to mitigate when they get overwhelming. but by and large here in America, it's it's just you're gonna have them. And preemptively destroying hives right now, this is heartbreaking and I, I this is it's really sad, but I, I think it's an important story uh, to, to talk about.
20: I am up the road from our place and behind me. All of this hives i'm going to show you two nights ago were destroyed 12th of the fourth all destroyed there would have to be at least 100 hives here there are bees still all over the place these are all double stacked hives and this is what they did two nights ago after they've destroyed our hives Let's get this out there. There are millions of bees being killed in the name of eradicating varroa mite. There are hundreds of bees still flying around. I don't really know how this is going to work. They've had 10 months to do this. The DPI have been killing bees for the last 10 months and we are still no better off than what we were 10 months ago when they found this. I will keep you guys up to date. We will do an update on our hives and the story behind it. And I will also share the video of what they did. Stay safe.
4: I hate them with a purple passion just absolute purple passion of hatred
7: 250 milliliters of petrol in each one of our hives or 17 of them
20: these are the two guys that have come in I'm assuming that there will be more
13: we've proven that we have no virile might in our hives they don't even test it in fact they're here to just destroy it they come here They've got their petrol, they're pouring
7: it into our hives.
1: They don't care about you. They care about their money. They
7: care about destroying us. Please, please, please share this around. Like it. Um, We need the algorithm to push this out. We really need to show what the hell they're doing. They didn't even test our hives and they're just killing them. They... they... Haven't get that in their heads. They haven't even tested for something they're killing for. That makes no
9: sense. Do you guys want to get involved with the euthanasia, or just want to stay out of it? No. Okay, that's all right then. There we go.
7: There's a conspiracy theory for you.
4: so sad. I I saw this. Um, Scott Kessler sent this to me. It's murder. It's absolute murder. One hive down. 16 more
13: to go. You okay, guys are probably wondering what's going on and basically even though we don't have the borough mite, the borough mite is in Australia and we're in the 10 kilometer radius. So they're pouring 250 milliliters of
7: petrol. It's the hives wrapping it up and killing all of our bees.
17: This
4: is not the way. This is not the way.
7: This is breaking me. I'm only 19 and I really don't need this. I just want the bees to stop being murdered. And without the bees, the Australian people are going to starve and they know this. We'll have no pollinators left, especially after they're finished with their poisoning. I don't need my name to be slandered trying to defend anything that's obviously wrong. So today at 12 o'clock, we're going to Tokyo College and we are going to do a live stream for about 20 minutes. And we request that the IPOP and surveillance coordinator of the Viral Might Response comes out and has an interview with us. I want to know why he's killing innocent bees and why he's slandering my name. So please, everyone on TikTok, share this around. We need to-
4: All right, so what is actually going on? Thank goodness somebody's written a substack on it. All right. A tragedy has just unfolded in New South Wales, Australia. Half a billion bees have been uh, systematically exterminated by a corrupt New South Wales government. It's insane. The obvious explanation is that the New South Wales government is sabotaging the farming industry, let's start, by examining what the gov- government has said has happened. So the official story timeline is that on June 22, 2022, varroa mite was detected at two properties in Mayfield and Mayfield West, city of Newcastle. On the 24th of June of last year, a biosecurity emergency was declared because of the biosecurity risk arising from the presence of varroa mite within the state. Varroa mite has been detected at numerous properties in New South Wales, and it is suspected to be present at other properties across New South Wales. In December of 2022, new infected premises were detected and testing and surveillance is continuing on suspect premises and trace premises and eradication is continuing on infected premises, making it necessary to extend the declaration of emergency for an additional six months. On June 24th, 2022, the chief plant protection officer of the Department of Primary Industries in New South Wales, Australia, invoked the Biosecurity Act to unilaterally genocide many New South Wales bees with the terrible excuse of protecting the bee population from parasites. you can see the the emergency note. Uh, A person in charge of the hive must not remove honey from the hive. A person in charge of the hive must not harvest comb honey. Now, you just need to understand, That when you are harvesting honey uh, from the hive, you're not going to be getting any varroa mites. And certainly it's not going to extend to anything um, in particular. Okay, like you're not going to, um, it's like you can't spread a varroa mite through honey. That's insane, right? They can't live, they can't like live in it. The destruction of the hives, uh, euthanizing bees, making the dead hive <clears throat> bee-proof, burning uh, or destroying the hive at the premises, uh, any other destruction, disposal, or eradication functions necessary to eradicate all hosts of mite and prevent the survival of undetected hosts within the emergency zone. <clears throat> so here you have the emergency zone the emergency is still in effect at the time of writing this article but they kept claiming to find more and more of this bee parasite in extending the emergency period and the bee eradication and surveillance zones this is absolutely huge the emergency and emergency powers expand many more biosecurity act orders were issued by new south wales run runaway chief plant protection officer Property owners in the 137 eradication zones are banned from raising beehives for three years. Do you know what that's going to do? You don't understand. A little bee, a little bee, pollinates thousands of plants. To say you're going to eradicate all bees in the giant area for three years, you're insane. You are literally demonically possessed by the devil. Okay? And I hate you with a purple passion. I curse you in the name of Jesus. I curse you in the name of Jesus. I bring you down in the name of Jesus. Let the bees live. I pray, Father God, that you reverse it in the name of Jesus. That the bees will live in New South Wales. And everybody will now start keeping hives. And I pray that there is going to be a giant rebellion so much that they can't stop all the bees and the beekeepers in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, Lord Jesus, save the bees. The next emergency order uh, comes from March 13th, just this year, invoking the same Biosecurity Act of 2015. This extends the government's emergency of the subsequent uh, bee genocide until June 22nd of 2023. The map of 137 infested premises and their eradication surveillance circles. The entire state of New South Wales is lit up blue meaning it's all deemed a general emergency zone. The circles are centered at the 137 infected premises. The purple 25K uh, radius circles indicates that their surveillance zones and the red uh, 10K radius circles represent the eradication zones. Note how much the eradication zone has expanded since the government first took over. Whew. How many hives have been killed? <clears throat> The question of bee death count is hard to answer. In a July 8, 2022 press release, the New South Wales government claimed there were 34 infested premises and a resulting mass murder of the bees uh, comprising of 1,693 beehives. I do know this, and Michelle, Michelle can, <laughs> can correct me. Each hive has probably about 10,000 bees. So put um, two two zeros on that. In a March 21st, 2023 20, uh, press release, the number of infested premises has been increased by 137.
7: <clears throat>
4: Since no update total is provided for the number of destroyed hives, we'll have to estimate. Using the ratio of uh, 50 hives <coughs> murdered for each... I have no idea what's going on.
1: <clears throat>
4: infest, infested premises... Okay, it's, okay. I guess um, we start with 10,000 bees when we get them. Um, I guess each uh, beehive holds 75,000 bees. Huh, okay. I'm not the bee person. Michelle is. She left me. <clears throat> so 510 million bees with no wind in sight. The government is also baiting other bees. They can lure to their death. It's possible the bees are bringing the poison back to hives and killing entire hives. Ensuring wild European honeybees are removed from the Varroa mite eradication zone is an important part of the National Varroa Mite Response Plan. They put this declaration of bee genocide out in three nearly identical press releases, all released December 7th, 2022. Mm. 2019, before the so-called parasite outbreak, New South Wales, Australia, faced another mass bee death that may be blamed on fipronol, yet the authorities claim the source of the fipronol bee poisoning was never discovered beekeeper whistleblowers, we just talked about this just last week a beekeeper went viral exposing the senseless bee killing occurring across New South Wales in 30 minutes the DPI showing up and they're going to pour 250 milliliters of petrol in each one of our hives, all 17 of them they didn't have any and then there's more Oh, Lord, have mercy. Other Australian states, Queensland, Australia, adds a page on baromite being a prohibited invasive animal. Around the world, invasive species extermination was also an excuse the Canadian government officials used to try to justify a mass poisoning of a New Brunswick lake with a certain kind of fish poison. Lord. Lord have mercy. Let's see another one of these testimonies.
20: 24th of June 2022, the New South Wales government notified beekeepers across the state after biosecurity of protecting our Indigenous bee
21: population. Simon is speaking on the use of fipronil and will discuss sustain...
16: If this varroa outbreak, they realised that it can't be contained. And Dolphin will speak more on this, but initially they said if there was more than five cases of varroa, it wouldn't work. And now there's over... I don't know, 125 or 126 zones. So over such a massive area, um, it's hard to believe they're going to continue to do this poisoning. And if they do continue to do the poisoning, they don't plan on finishing quickly. It's going to go on for about three years. Um, None of these beekeepers can use their sites for that long. And the other thing is that the whole thing is going to be contaminated as well. So all these areas... um, that you might reuse in the future are going to be contaminated for a long time. And um, as Kate mentioned in that original introduction, this piprinol will just keep on killing and killing and killing because um, it stays active in the honey itself. This method isn't even scientific. It is, um, yeah, it's it's mind-boggling that um, they're doing it this way. Introduced to you
21: Dolphy Banesh. Dolphy is a beekeeper whose hives at Jilla were recently destroyed by the Department of Primary Industries, Varroa Mite Measures. Dolphin will speak in the process which the Department of Primary Industries, the DPI,
6: has followed to eradicate Varroa Mite. Or oh, uh, native bees, it can kill any insect, butterflies, beetles, anything that can give us some sort of pollination.
4: That's a fibrillation.
6: We, we use a lot of flies here without knowing for pollination. Flies will do pollination by mistake. They'll fly into flowers that stinks. So when we look at what's happening exactly, we don't know what is controlling this system. The Biosecurity Act is um, overruling the police, is overruling the federal police, and it comes from the government. So if we have an act that sits high, high above somewhere, and we don't know where is it going we need to start to ask questions and this is very deep questions because this is not just bees this can be cows sheep, trees um and this is takes us back to victoria monoculture monoculture of uh, agriculture of having only one um say plantation trees uh it's a mistake by definition you can't have 4,000 acres of almonds without any other single tree in the area. This this is a, a, a mistake number one in agriculture. We would like to have a few type of agricultures on the same farm, and we would like to have the bees as well. Once the bees start to be relocated from Queensland to Victoria to create pollination, that's another question mark, because bees are not supposed to do these trips to do the pollination, maybe in the US, yes, because this is how they used to, but this is a mistake because this is take all the disease that we know and we don't know from one place to another. But one of the, of the big things that we see, uh, again, if we go back to scientific questions, there's two species of bees, the uh, <coughs> uh, European bee and the Asian bee. We have them mixed here in Australia. Uh, they're already here for a long time and we have about 50 to 60% of the bees, um, Asian bee mixed into the European bee. Um, The Asian bee is better in pollination. The European bee is better in honey making. If people wanna have pollination, they need to have a farm of bees that's making mainly pollination, less honey. And the European bee need to be more for making honey and less pollination. And that's a big separation within the industry. And that can create also a big misunderstanding because all the people with cherries, um, almonds, um, apples, uh, they need bees all the time because they are not beekeepers themselves. And this is again a mistake. They should have the bees in-house as part Mm. of the farm.
4: Okay, that is really, really good. And I'm gonna talk about that in a second, but I do want you guys to see, look what I found when I was searching this. These blue banded bees in Australia. I was just looking them up. They are real. They are adorable and they're native to Australia and I love them so much. They're blue. My favorite color blue in the entire world. They're just so pretty. Blue banded bees. Oh my gosh. All right. So we're actually going to kind of wrap up our show on this because we are. What I was trying to figure out, you know, can you eradicate the mite in a whole country like this? Because we have them here in the United States. There's no eradicating. Can you, is this a good plan? This is a horrible plan. This is like ca- trying to contain COVID. And we're not going to wrap up my show. I forgot I got a Neil Oliver clip and my friend gets on me if I don't play it each time. Um, but we will say goodbye to Facebook before I play that. So... With this, this is a bad plan. And in America, we have been able to keep varroa mites under control. Right now, that's that's where you guys need to shift in Australia. Stop killing the bees. But also, if you heard that man that we just listened to last, he made like an amazingly great point. Okay. He said a lot of our diseases and a lot of our problems, I don't know if you guys understand this, but um, beekeeping has become, has changed from, and they, they wrap up their bees and they take them far away to just an almond field or to an apple field. And then they, they can spread diseases that way. They go back, they pack them back up, they send them to another place. That's not a good idea. Your bees should stay locally. Okay. Um, And, and if you have an apple orchard, then you should also be a beekeeper or have a beekeeper. If you, especially our almond orchard and you need, and you rely on bees, we, have, we keep bees. I'm glad Michelle keeps bees because they really help pollinate all of our things. Everybody can, everybody can be a beekeeper. Anybody can be a beekeeper. And everybody should be. It's really simple. It's not that hard. Um, and unless you're like me and you blow up kind of not in a pretty way. So hopefully somebody in your house can keep bees. And it's fun and it's natural and it's something we all should definitely... Um, Scientists suggest uh, that what we
10: experience as reality might be only a a computer simulation.
4: But what we're going to do is we're going to go over here to our screen and we're going to say goodbye to Facebook. Goodbye. Go to Rumble, Resistance Chicks. Michelle put the link in there. And I'm going to play Neil and we're going to play a few things on uh, COVID here in a second. So think that that's Facebook. Boom. Okay. That's good. That's good. I mean, that's gone. Okay, so I've got this walking me through it myself. Here we go, we're screen sharing. And I see, y'all see Neil. I see Neil, you see Neil. Here we go. Neil's monologue for this week. All manners of freedoms are being eroded.
10: Scientists suggest that what we experience as reality might be only a computer simulation and that what we may, that we may be no more than computer generated characters within a matrix. If that were so, they ask, how would we even know For similar reasons, I wonder how we might awaken to the possibility we are not free citizens in a democracy, but victims of a protection racket controlled by a crime syndicate. Again, how would we know? I suppose a clue would be if our supposed leaders came to be associated in the minds of more and more people with behaviour that just looks criminal. As for instance, look at the Scottish National Party. Members of a government, senior officials of that government's governing party, arrested and questioned by police in relation to the party's finances. What suspicions might be raised in the minds of income tax paying, council tax paying citizens, while officers dig holes in the back garden of the leader of the country, apparently in search of evidence of crime? During the past three years, we saw over and over Elected politicians and their officials insisting citizens must obey life-altering regulations while they themselves routinely ignored them. Our Prime Minister, in a time of war, discouraged firms from doing business with Russia while his own family continued to profit from doing exactly that. Our Prime Minister has presided over the implementation of taxes for hard-working citizens while he takes advantage of a much lower rate made an option by his great wealth. What does that look like to people struggling just to keep their heads above water? Imagine how people might look on at such things and say, that's criminal. In a protection racket run by a crime syndicate, hapless souls have no alternative but to hand over funds to an organization that makes plain failure to do so will result in dire consequences. Income tax, value-added tax, council tax, small business tax, inheritance tax. The only benefit on offer for handing over the cash to protection racketeers is being left unmolested until the next payment is due. Victims of the racket are kept in a perpetual state of anxiety, distracted by the grim necessity of earning enough money to live and keep a family while somehow, somehow managing at the same time to have enough surplus to pay for the protection from harm. What's that you ask? Men can be women? We owe reparations for slavery? The countryside's racist. The planet will catch fire unless I give up my gas boiler. We're going to war with who next? Give me a minute, because right now, I can't afford to feed my children. As someone only recently awake to what's going on, I look back and wonder just how much I've missed over the years. But at the same time, I'm sure the powers that be used to be better at pretending to have our best interests at heart. Now their disdain and contempt are overwhelmingly obvious. The prices of food, fuel and energy keep going up while the wholesale costs of those commodities are coming down. Imagine how people might learn of such things and say, that's criminal. It's almost as though life is deliberately being made harder by those with the power to make it so, at a time when life might be made easier. It turns out build back better didn't apply to you and me. Instead, after three dreadful years, consumers pay more and more, while the profits harvested by the providers of those commodities go up and up. Is it just me or was the pretence of compassion better once? Is it just me or are we being invited to know in no uncertain terms that our noses are being rubbed in the abuse of power? All manner of freedoms are being eroded. The simple freedom to jump in the car and go where we want looks set to be made a thing of the past. Not to worry though, soon all we could desire will be within a 15 minute walk of our homes. For those still clinging to notions of democracy, Consider the World Health Organization's pandemic preparedness treaty by which our country will be bound by May 2024 unless action to the contrary is taken. The WHO has 192 member states. It sits in Geneva, where its representatives pay no tax and enjoy diplomatic immunity. They are unelected and unaccountable. Over 80% of WHO funds come not from member states, but from so-called stakeholders. Big Pharma and the like, influence over the WHO is for sale to the highest bidder. The second biggest funder is the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. By the existing paperwork, the WHO at least pays lip service to democracy. But by the terms of proposed amendments to the existing treaty, they seek fundamental change. If the new treaty is ratified, the WHO will decide when to declare a World Health Emergency. The WHO will define what is misinformation. The WHO will have the legally binding power to enforce lockdowns and vaccinations. The WHO will have the power to force companies here in Britain to produce and export medical products to the wider world. Declared respect for human rights and dignity will literally be erased from the treaty and replaced with vague assurances about equity. All of this will come about unless our government acts to the contrary, before the treaty is made binding in May next year. I suppose the question is, do you want you and your children living under the protection provided by a racket like the WHO? But let's pause for a moment to think how we might have got here. Almost invariably, an unchallenged crime syndicate grows more and more blatant. At the same time, absence of a challenge leads to complacency. Things have been going our way for a long time, they think. Therefore, we might assume things will always go our way. Unbridled audacity and careless complacency can also lead to unintended consequences. I noticed that the pain of the last three years followed events that might have been interpreted as unexpected defiance on the part of people assumed to be living meekly under the yoke. Back in 2016, there was a referendum about membership of the European Union A person might say complacency saw the government of the day assuming it had the result in the bag and so allowed the plebiscite to go ahead. Let the little people think they have a say, bless them. Instead, a majority voted to leave that European Union. That same year in the USA, Hillary Clinton had expected the keys to the White House. In fact, assumed they were hers by right. So complacent was she, she described those supporting her opponent as a basket of deplorables. A majority of those deplorables chose Donald Trump. Here in the UK, in the aftermath of the vote to leave the EU, all manner of forces were mustered to defy the largest popular vote in the history of these islands. Heaven and Earth were moved to undo that which had been done. While it proved impossible to set aside the vote and rejoin the EU, it turned out that that technicality did not matter. Brexit happened in name only. As things turned out in every way that matters, the UK has remained in thrall to the panjandrums of the EU. In the United States, heaven and earth, were moved to oust that Donald Trump from the White House. All the tricks, the CIA, the FBI, Facebook and Google and more were deployed to try and rid the US of that most turbulent president. I look back on those events, that referendum and that US presidential election happening so close together and notice how much changed in the aftermath. So, so much We experienced a sequence of events few of us might have predicted in our wildest dreams. I hardly need to list them, but what the heck, for old times sake, a global pandemic confined to our homes for 23 hours a day, livelihoods destroyed, health and well-being ruined, travel bans, an internationally coordinated bid to inject every man, woman, child and infant on the planet with a brand new medical product that makes billions for big pharma the greatest transfer of wealth in history, unprecedented creation of currency and disastrous devaluation in the process, the looming prospect of the end of cash and its replacement with digital currencies controlled by privately owned, secretive and unaccountable banks, 15-minute cities, the psychopathic acceleration of net zero, the prospect of digital IDs, of surveillance society, of one-world government, making racism the height of fashion again, as long as it's anti-white racism, Of the return of war to the european mainland and the threat of its escalation to envelop the world and to trigger the blossoming of nuclear armageddon in idle moments i wonder if those world changing developments would have arrived as and more importantly when they did if uk citizens had voted to stay in the eu and if their american cousins had voted to install another clinton in the white house if we hadn't been so many flies in their ointment what then Call me a conspiracy theorist by all means, nowadays that's a badge I wear with pride. And so where are we now? Well, we have Joe Biden and the surreal going on, goings on of his administration. The man is cognitively unfit. His family are enveloped in scandal regarding business dealings with Ukraine and China. The US seems to have no functioning southern border. Tens of millions of strangers flew across in an unchecked stream. Cities are surrendered to crime. They know we can see and yet even that doesn't seem to matter. Citizens questioning the decay are dismissed as far-right extremists and racists. Here in the UK, protesters challenging Mayor Sadiq Khan's ruinous ULEZ scheme are slandered as far-right by the BBC. Victims of the medical products pushed as vaccines, all those uncounted dead and injured, are ignored by all but a handful of MPs. Their plight is likewise dismissed by the vast majority of the mainstream media. A protection racket is about fear the determination to make good on threats, and perhaps most importantly, the acceptance on the part of the victims that they are vulnerable and alone in the face of overwhelming power. Fiat currencies and fractional reserve banking are Ponzi schemes by any other name, and in any other context would be regarded as criminal. Try setting up your own equivalent and see what happens. Just because a government decrees a situation legal does not in any absolute sense make that situation lawful. What it comes down to in the end is whether enough of the people accept the moral authority of those presumed to govern them. I ask myself whether our so-called leaders have the required moral authority. Always now I find the answer, at least for me, is no, they do not. They do not. Here's the thing, if so-called leaders who by their own actions or by the actions of those to whom they are linked invite the attentions of the police, If so-called leaders bully and threaten citizens into behaving one way while they themselves feel free to behave another, if so-called leaders are deaf and dumb in the face of terrible harms and suffering, if so-called leaders grow rich via the same system that impoverishes those below them in the hierarchy, I say those are not legitimate to wield power over us. All of which begs the obvious question, why are we paying for this fraud? Why are we financing what we know to be iniquitous and
1: wrong?
4: Mm. why are we financing that we know it's to be wrong this is this is kind of where we're at and I thank God for Neil Oliver and for his, the way that he stands up for truth and um, I just wonder how long he's going to be on but thank God for Neil Oliver and I do want to play you guys another clip here he says um, this is, uh, is Pfizer safe? All that was being a done in South the name of South African court asked to conduct a judicial review. Is Pfizer safe? So I have heard rumblings about this case in South Africa suing Pfizer. And uh, South African politician Jay Nadu reacts to the South African court being asked to conduct a judicial review of the COVID vaccine. But...
21: Well, I think we were all stunned by the response because, you know, coronavirus is not a new virus. We've uh, had many types of coronaviruses in the past. But I think the most important event was uh, in June of 2021. My wife, who is Canadian, a journalist by profession, her mum had the Pfizer vaccine. And in the first shot, she had a heart attack. And the second shot, she ended up in, in hospital, not able to walk, to eat, to bath herself or take care of herself. And she was a very active person. So my wife, who, who lives in South Africa with me, had to take seven months off to go and take care of her, her mother, who was going to be put in a state-run hospice. And she nursed her back to health. But the extraordinary thing was in the consultation with the doctor who was treating her, the doctor said that the probable cause of her heart attack was the vaccine, Mm -hmm. but he was too scared to put that on the report. And the question we had, if a doctor can lose his license because he's telling the truth, Mm -hmm. what has medicine become? And so as we studied the events that followed that, what we saw in the pandemic response from our leaders was a campaign of fear, of censorship, of guilt, of shame, with doctors losing their license for talking about the Hippocratic Oath of not doing any harm to their patients, of putting their patients first. We saw workers being dismissed in South Africa because they refused to be vaccinated. Mm -hmm. We saw social media censoring journalists and anyone that contradicted the official narrative. And, you know, I have been a victim of apartheid, so institutionalized racism, which we forever ended in 1994 with the election of President Nelson Mandela. So at four years old, I was evicted from my home because i was the wrong color on the wrong side of the street so i became a freedom fighter and, and and i've been an activist all my life and what i'm seeing here is something on a grander scale than even what we faced under apartheid
4: mm. wow what i'm seeing I'm here is on a grander scale than what we what we saw under apartheid there's another clip here Um, <clears throat> consultant cardiologist Asim Mohatra gives his verdict on the South African
5: court. In t- t- terms of the um, scientific evidence, certainly I think two key things have happened in the last couple of months that I think really draw more light on this major concern on something which I have described as the greatest miscarriage of medical science that we've ever witnessed. Um, first and foremost, uh, Norman Fenton, who you may know, professor of risk, He did his own analyses, you know, he's he's very rigorous, looking at the excess deaths, and trying to make some calculations as to what proportion of these excess deaths that are ongoing in Britain, that we know about, which is still a problem, are because of the vaccines. And even I was quite shocked by his figure. I wasn't expecting it to be that high, but he came up with 50%, but half of all the excess deaths are likely either directly or indirectly because of the COVID vaccines. Goodness me. Now, on top of that, very interesting publication in America, BMC infectious diseases uh, also which which came out last couple of months slightly different study but very fascinating was really a kind of survey study of Americans looking at uh, how you know of the people that were vaccinated or people that knew people that were vaccinated how many of those felt that they had vaccine injuries either themselves or friends or family or died because of the vaccine and they were able to come up with a figure suggesting that there may be as many as in 2021 alone Two hundred seventy-eight thousand fatalities purely because of the covid vaccines and of course in america they mainly used moderna and pfizer so mrna vaccines which is pretty extraordinary that gives a figure about one in a thousand in terms of death rate and serious adverse events about a million people which would give a figure of one in 300 now critics would say well this isn't a randomized study blah blah we can talk about that later all that all the other evidence but what i would say is you know in medicine we're taught uh, as doctors that 80 percent of your diagnosis comes from the history. That means what the patient tells you. Mm-hmm. If you listen to your patient, most of the time, you will get the answer of what's wrong with them. So I would say this is almost an analogy to that kind of process. But either way, Neil, it's a big, big issue.
4: It is a very big, big issue. So we'll see where this where this goes, if South Africa can, can make some headway. Hopefully they can. Um, Tucker Carlson had on a clip where he said, what if everyone in the entire world was forced to buy my pillows? And because my pillow helps fund Fox News. And that's kind of where we're at right now where you've got everybody in the entire world was forced to buy a product. And that product funds through advertising All of the TV stations and the news networks that are telling you, you need to take it. And they cannot do programs and talk about how you can be injured by the very product that funds their programs. Now, I don't see how you'd ever be harmed by my pillow, but that's the analogy, right? Okay, so wrapping up today a gold heist and I say if you guys uh, are in need uh, can I find it Ooh, let me see I'm going to see something boom I did it Ha. speaking of gold heist you guys want to do your own gold heist of your own go to learn.itmtrading.com slash chicks or call them say resistance chicks sent me one eight six six nine five zero seven 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 six. Say resistance six sent me. What do I do? I've got. I'm a. I'm a resistance six viewer with a giant savings account, and I've got an IRA and a, and a retirement account. What do I do? Get yourself your own gold bars. Set yourself up for the future. That's what you want to do. How many of these can I do? I know how to do. Let's see. If you you need to you need to help out my pillow. Okay? You need to help out use promo code RC Mike Lindell took out a 10 million dollar loan to pay his employees because he's being uh, attacked by the uh the left wing crazies and the um the lawsuits, the Dominion lawsuits and he's fighting, he's fighting so hard for all of us. So you go 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 support him. And don't forget you have Vicky Natali. OBE, Organic Body Essentials. Okay. Use promo code RC there as well. Get the, um, I use the oil now. There's this flawless face serum. It really, it, it's, it's helpful. It lasts. I think that the last bottle we had, it's like six months worth. I, I don't even know. It lasts forever. It's, it, the the lotions that you use are all fillers. You're gonna put that nasty old chemicals on your face. Don't do that if you can help it. And also for sure for people with arthritis and things like that. Um, and we've gotten testimonies that um, that CBD oil is legit. It's not gonna get you high. It's for real. It's good stuff. All right. You know what we else we I don't really we don't really talk too much about. You can get the Founder's Bible promo code. Um, Resistance chicks there 20% off We had some inside baseball Bob coming or Brad Cummings. There will be a Founders Bible, too There's so much information. He uh, texted us a happy Easter. It was really nice and uh, He said he's working on Founders Bible, too. So I'm excited about that. Okay um, We have been getting a ton of great emails from you guys a ton of great messages and I don't know if I can find any lots of great comments on the videos. It's you guys are just it, I don't know what's exploded but um you're you're with us now. I don't know what it is, but there's a family that's growing here. Um and I don't know if I can find some of these on the fly. Oh, it looks like mom got some you some 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 taken down there. Oops. Sorry, Mom. I got a message, actually, that I, I wanted to read from a lady about the lard. I don't know if I'm going to be able to find that one. Older male. She was uh, from the Eastern Europe. Someone asks, Aside from the Founder's Bible, is there a Bible that has not been tampered with that supports what you've been teaching in the Revelation Red Pill? I'm from Canada, so not sure the extra information in the Founder's Bible will be relevant. I've been considering getting a Septuagint with Apocrypha and getting the Book of Enoch on the side, as well as the Protocols of Zion. Thanks for your recommendations. Uh, Corey would definitely say, read the Book of Enoch. Uh, I have not. Um... I think that the Founder's Bible would be relevant to anyone around the world because the information that you find in our Founding Fathers, they're just Christians. And it's its definitely, I would say, get the Founder's Bible anybody. It's, it's not, when I read it, it, it's not necessarily, oh, I'm American, I need to read this. It's, this is how we do good government. And so it goes beyond just America. It goes into history. So I definitely would say that. But, um... I wouldn't say that this Bible, which has been taped up and gone through a lot. uh, This is the Archaeological Study Bible. I was really impressed with how it took a um, historical view. So, on Matthew 24, it actually lists that... It was fulfilled in AD 70. And I'll show you that. Boom. Oh, yeah. There we go. Josephus and the fall of Jerusalem. Matthew 24. The Jewish historian Josephus is our primary source of information about the fall of Jerusalem. During the Jewish revolt of AD 66 to 70, Josephus began as a rebel leader. But midway, he switched his allegiance to the Roman side of the conflict He accompanied the Roman general Titus to the siege of Jerusalem and was thus an eyewitness of the harrowing events of the city's fall. As the Romans slowly crushed the revolt in outlying areas, refugees flooded into Jerusalem for the climatic battle of the war. The Jews inside the city were torn by internal dissent and various rebel groups vying for control. There was horrendous loss of life and the conditions worsened as Romans led siege, laid siege to Jerusalem in the spring of AD 70. Titus' troops took the outer wall around May and captured the strategic forces of Atonia. The destruction of the temple was imminent, but many of the Jewish defenders likely believed that God would defend them and his temple to the last. Nonetheless, at the end of August, the Romans successfully attacked the temple, setting fire to its gates and overwhelming its defenders. With the sanctuary fallen, the Jews lost hope, the carnage ensued. Josephus described it thus, no pity was shown on account of age or out of respect for anyone's dignity. Children and elderly, lay, lay people and priests alike were slain. The battle surged ahead and surrounded everybody including both those who begged for mercy and those who resisted. The flames spread out to a great distance and its noise mixed with the groans of perishing. Such, as, such was the height of the ridge and the magnitude of the burning that one would have imagined the whole city was aflame. Thus was Jesus' prophecy regarding the destruction of the temple fulfilled. Matthew 24. So I don't think that they take an entirely, uh, you know, their stance of revelation is completely different. So, you know, but it's good. It's a good place to start. And that's the only Bible I've been able to find. I think there is another Bible uh, that is recommended by Ken Gentry. And I will get that to you guys as I begin to... I think that was one, but I haven't gotten that Bible yet. Um, I Somebody says, I saw your segment uh, with Shanae, Shemaine today. We were on with Shemaine Nugent on Rav. I went to your website and said I had been blocked and we, they got that um, done a f- uh, about potatoes. A few years ago, I had a garden uh, life in southwest Florida, so you can basically garden all year long. I had some arthritis, so I, raised, I had raised beds and small pots. I cut pieces of potato with an eye off of a regular potato and it formed vines underground and a new potato formed from each piece of an eye. It was amazing. And celery. Now, this was interesting for me because I've tried this, but never with the great success. She says, if you cut the bottom off of a celery stalk and leave the, that piece in shallow water for a few days, a little sprout of leaves comes out the top. And then eventually, so you cut off the bottom. Very interesting. You cut off the bottom. And you put it in water. And it'll begin to grow. And um, so she came across a lady on the internet who had a video showing how to start celery from the bottom piece about an inch or one and a half inches it was amazing get this she planted it and in a raised bed and it grew to two feet tall two feet tall I would just go out every day and cut off a couple of outside celery sticks and just keep it would just keep forming from the inside she got celery off of that plant for a year for a year for a year baby that's so awesome it was bright green and tasted so good I'm gonna try it again I'm gonna try it again. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna try it again. When you consider all that God has placed on the earth for our for earth for our use use, our health, it is blasphemous that companies what companies have done to undermine that genetically modified foods roundup. And now we have to worry about all the evil minions uh been putting putting the COVID vaccines in to meat. I know we're gonna have to do a big we're we'll gonna have to do something on that. I know, I know. I got another message. Hi, Michelle. was watching your episode which featured Ron Paul. Very nicely done. He's full of wisdom and needed to get uh, his way with the Fed. And um, this uh, particular person is a chiropractor who offered some, some help to Michelle. It was really nice. Alright, you guys. Last but not least, we are going to do, do um, first landing. Our buddies, our friends. We wish we could be there. If we could, we would. First landing, 1607. I'm going to share my screen with you one more time. If you guys can be there, I think they still have some tickets. Robert, Jamie, Donica, now Glenn Beck, David Barton. Two days, 16 hours. Um, you guys can see uh, they've got um, some extended interviews. CBN played, I got the CBN here.
18: April 29th, 1607, a nation was born. Travel weary Englishmen landed at Cape Henry on the shores of Virginia and lay the foundation for what would become the most powerful country the world has ever seen. Act one, scene one of the drama that was to be the United States unfolded that day at Cape Henry and sparked the legacy of godliness on American shores.
21: Almighty God, by your great mercy, we have reached this land, which we now claim and establish for thy eternal purposes. We ask thee to open hearts and enlighten the understanding of the peoples of these shores to comprehend the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ.
18: America's destiny and purpose were sealed with that cross at Cape Henry. All that would follow in our nation's growth hinged on the single proclamation that this land belonged to Jesus Christ. In the Mayflower Compact of 1620, the Pilgrims reaffirmed the mission set forth by the original.
4: Okay, so you guys can go and you can watch it. We are going to have this on um, Resistance. Oh, shoot. We're going to have this at Resistance Chicks Rumble. So please join us. Enjoying Robert and Jamie and Donica and David Barton and Glenn Beck and Leo and Nancy and John Diamond and all of our friends. Um, that's going to be this Wednesday, and we will we'll stream. We're going to restream their stream. All right, guys. So we love you. God loves you. God bless. And I'm going to say goodbye. It's hard. Always hard for me to end the show. I'm not exactly sure how and how I end these things, but I'm going to do it. And oh wait, I got to do the ending. All right. We'll see you guys Wednesday. Revelation Red Pill do not miss it It's going to be very exciting And here we go Endi- Oh is that the ending I was called all